What's up? What's up? Welcome to the Nest Inside the Eagles Live. I'm one of your co-pilots for the evening. Follow me on X, Instagram. I think I got a TikTok. Do all that by following that down there in the bottom right-hand corner, left-hand corner, depending on where you're looking from. But we come here tonight to celebrate with you guys, talk about some Eagles football as we always do. And I can't think of a better way to start than talking about the quarterback of this great franchise, Jalen Hurts. A lot of controversy. Is this the guy? Can he bounce back? What happened to Jalen Hurts? We seem to forget that he was an MVP candidate right after that Buffalo win. But as always, maybe Eagles fans are the most guilty of this. Maybe it's just something that runs rampant throughout NFL circles. But we tend to fall victim of recency bias. We have time. We'll talk about Jason Kelsey being ranked ahead of Brian Dawkins in terms of love from Eagles fans in a little bit. But first, we start off with Jalen Hurts, MVP candidate. Should have won it last year. Tied with the greatest quarterback we've seen of our generation with 10 seconds left to go in Super Bowl 57. Comes back. Puts together a great campaign. Looks very good as far as I'm concerned. I personally think he'll bounce back. Sometimes I feel like I'm alone in that. And the reason I say that is because as much respect as I have for them, as much as they're my big brothers, the 33rd team, I take issue with something they said. Now, let me just preface this by saying, again, these are my big brothers. I love the 33rd team. Mike Tannenbaum has always been nice to me. I talked to him about four times this past season. He always stops to talk to me, answers every single question I have, even if he didn't have time to do it. But there are times when I'm looking around the Internet, perusing for some information, checking out some inside the Eagles headlines, checking out some Eagles related and Eagles centric topics. And I come across something that I find interesting. Power rankings. I don't know why I like mock drafts and power rankings so much. Sometimes they're irritating. Sometimes we know we're watching something that we know is never going to happen. We know that the Eagles are not taking a cornerback in round one, right? They'd have taken Saul's Gardner if he was available. They may have taken J.C. Horn if he was available. But nine times out of ten, they're not going to do that. They haven't taken a cornerback since 2002. So we can probably move it past the Kool-Aid McKinstry stuff. But power rankings, teams, who's the best, who are the best quarterbacks, who are the best free agents. I can watch this stuff all day. I can read this stuff all day. And I came across one from my big brothers, the 33rd team. They ranked all 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Just out of curiosity, what do you guys think Jalen Hurts charted? Think he's in the top 10? No. Think he's in the top 15? No, he isn't. And by now, you probably figured out that I brought this up because I don't like the ranking. <laughs> Jalen Hurts, on a list of 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL, falls at 17. Now, here's the explanation. Jalen Hurts is a decent quarterback. His athletic ability, when healthy, and his accuracy down the field are enough to make him a beacon for an offense production. However, the rest of Jalen Hurts' game still leaves something to be desired. None of us would probably argue with that. There are areas where he can improve, but the guy is also turning 26 before the season starts. We tend to forget these guys still have room to develop. They can grow up and things of that nature. And even the great Tom Brady and Peyton Manning struggle sometimes. Ineffective happens in the NFL. My issue is not what was said about Jalen Hurts, but who they have in front of them. Check out some of these names. Anthony Richardson, Kirk Cousins. Geno Smith, Kyler Murray. I like Jordan Love, but I don't think he's better than Jalen right now, is he? Did any of us have Jordan Love being better than Jalen Hurst before this, this last postseason, before he beat the Dallas Cowboys? Did any of us say that Jordan Love was better than Jalen Hurst? Jalen Hurst was the front runner for the MVP trophy right after the Buffalo game. I got issues with the list. But before we talk into the list, let's talk to our homeboys, bring them to the stage right now. It's been a long time since we getting, had a chance to speak. Jake Beckman is in the house. And we got one of my brothers, Michael Caskey Blomain, hanging out with me here tonight. Fellas, how you feeling? Not doing too bad. Not doing too bad. Doing pretty good. I, uh, I'm a little little disgruntled. Had to deal with uh, with snow and traffic driving here. Uh, don't want to get into it. Said some things that I, uh, to people I'll never meet while they're inside other cars, but we're good. We're here. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, man. Mike, what's going on, bud? What's up, man? I'm feeling good. I'm excited to make my debut on here and looking forward to talking some football with you guys on a, on a Friday night. All right. 
fan-sided editor, one of the great writers, two of the great writers we have here at Inside the Eagles. But fellas, not feeling something I read recently. All right. 33rd team, before I brought you on, what I was saying was they ranked all 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Jalen Hurst is not even in the top 15. Jalen Hurst is not even in the top 16. Let me get it to the top of the list. Now, we know who's probably at the top. Patrick Mahomes, check. He's there. Number two, Lamar Jackson. Three, Josh Allen. Four, Justin Herbert. Five, Matt Stafford. Six, Dax Prescott. C.J. Stroud is in the top 10. He's seventh. Trevor Lawrence, for some reason, continues to be told. We seem to be told that Trevor Lawrence is one of the great quarterbacks of my generation, even though I personally am not seeing this. Joe Burrow, Jordan Love rounds out the top 10 at 10. Then we have Kyler Murray, Geno Smith, Kirk Cousins, Jerry Goff, Aaron Rodgers is 15th. Anthony Richardson, what did he play, four games, is 16th. One spot ahead of your quarterback of our great Philadelphia Eagles organization, Jalen Hurts, comes in 17th. Followed by Purdy, Tua, Baker Mayfield at 20, Justin Fields, Derek Carr, Daniel Jones, Russell Wilson, Bryce Young, Desmond Ritter, Deshaun Watson, Will Levis, Sam Howell, Aiden O'Connell, Kenny Pickett, and coming in dead last, Belly Zappi. How do you guys feel about the list? I've lost half. You lost me halfway through those names. Do you have? Can you throw that up on the screen? Actually, I cannot. <laughs> but let me get them to me again. So we, you, you need the bottom half. Uh, no, I don't care about the bottom half. I don't care about the people ranked behind Jalen. Okay. Ahead of Jalen, we got Patrick Mahomes in one, two, Lamar Jackson, three, Josh Allen, four, Justin Herbert, five, Matt Stafford, six, Dak Prescott, seven, CJ Stroud, eight, Trevor Lawrence, Let me see if I can Joe Burrow, Jordan Love at 10, Kyler Murray at 11, 12 is Geno Smith, 13, Kirk Cousins, 14, Jerry Goff, 15, Aaron Rodgers, 16, Anthony Richardson. All these guys are ahead of Jalen Hurts. I don't understand why Kirk Cousins is there. I like C.J. Stroud. I don't think C.J. Stroud is better than Jalen right now, is he? I mean, we we just watched the same season, didn't we? I think I think C.J. deserves to be in top ten. <laughs> All right, Jake, you tend to fall you tend to fall victim of recency bias. <laughs> I, I mean, so. dudes dudes had one season and balled out. I, I mean, yeah, Jalen didn't. I mean, he didn't have a, he didn't have as good of a season as twenty. Objectively, ranking him at seventeen is bad. That's no doubt. Uh, but I mean, there's. There's a handful of those names. Like you said, Aaron Rodgers shouldn't be ahead of him. The dude's going to be 41 uh, coming off of an Achilles. What did I doubt? Uh, what's uh, uh, Richardson? Um, Anthony Richardson threw probably less than 100 balls. Uh, that's that's craziness, too. I agree with you on the Trevor Lawrence thing. But, yeah, without without the name, I can't really go in on all these guys. But I think C.J. Stroud easily deserves to be in that uh, upper stratosphere. Yes. What you think, Mike? I think it's just disrespectful, uh, to be honest. I mean, I'm not saying I don't think he should be in the top five. I understand, like, you know, the, the complaints against him. But 17, like like he said, is just objectively yeah. – it just doesn't make sense. I mean, there's some of these guys on there. Like, what has Kyler Murray done to prove that he's better than Jalen Hurts? Like, what has Geno Smith done to prove that he's a better quarterback? I mean, you know the top five is going to be set. And this list is a little wonky to me to begin with. I mean, you got Joe Burrow at nine behind Trevor Lawrence. You know, Justin Herbert up at four ahead of, ahead of Matt Stafford, ahead of Dak Prescott. So, you know, it already seems like a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit weird to me. But and, and I think as part of it's like you said, uh, it's, it's recency bias. You know, Jalen obviously coming off a down season, Eagles coming off a down season in general. He, his numbers aren't jumping off the screen at you from this past season. The turnovers were up. The big plays were down. The flashy, you know, deep balls to A.J. Brown, which felt like every week, you know, two years ago didn't happen yep. this season so you know the way he's viewed i understand it it's it's down compared to where it was a year ago coming off that super bowl loss to kansas city but i think objectively i mean he deserves to be in the top 10 if not higher uh just based off body work and combined with you know if you're going to put a guy like cj stroud at seven who i agree would looked awesome as a rookie one of the better rookie quarterbacks i've seen but for him to be that high on the list, that means you're banking on his potential moving forward to continue to be great. And Jalen's still, you know, like you said in the intro, going to be 26. A lot of football ahead of him, a lot of room to improve. He's shown improvement every year. And I just, at this point, I don't think he's given reason to doubt that he'll, he'll bounce back and obviously have a better season than he did last year. Yeah, you said, you said Gino and Kyler are above him as well? 
actually, yeah. Jake, actually, Jake, I got something here for you, man. You're just working there on that group. There we go. <laughs> How about that, babe? All right, so we got the top 32 here. Mahomes, Jackson, Allen, Herbert, Stafford, Prescott, Stroud, Lawrence, Burrow, Love, Murray, Smith, Cousins, Goff, Rogers, Richardson, Hurts. And Derek Klassen is uh, a guy that like wants to start fights. <laughs> I'm assuming that's what it is. Like, see, the problem with lists yeah. like this is we yeah. never know what the list is based on. Are we talking about the best right now? Are we talking about potential? Are we talking about body of work? What are we talking about? We just throw yeah. this together and stuff. It's that. Yeah, I mean, they they have they have Deshaun Watson on there and not uh, Joe Flacco. So it, 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 <laughs> this is this is nonsense to me. We got to stop putting Justin Herbert in the top five of things. Just looking at this going down, Justin yeah. Herbert in the top five is crazy. Matt Stafford in the top five is crazy. Uh, Trevor Lawrence in the top five or top ten is crazy. Uh, this is this is nonsense to me. De- Derek Klassen, it's on site. <laughs> All right, guys, you got you you can talk me out of this. Tell me if I'm wrong. All right, I leave Mahomes and Jackson at one and two. I can put Josh Allen in the top five. I can even put Josh Allen at three and not complain too much. Herbert needs to move, like Jake said. Matt yep. Stafford is good. I don't know if Richardson, Cousins, Smith, Murray, Love, Lawrence, Stroud, and I'll even say it, or Prescott are better than Jalen Hurts. I don't know that. I mean, it's it's not entirely uh, like separate from the offense as a whole, and the Cowboys' offense was better than the Eagles' offense this year. I mean, that's kind of undeniable, um, mm-hmm. which, I mean, that plays a lot into this. But in some in some cases that that plays a lot into this the idea that that Justin Herbert is above Dak Prescott's a crazy thing I, I don't know this is uh, drug drugs are bad for for Derek Klassen. It, it, we gotta we gotta fight him whether it be verbal or physical yeah well we'll see what Jalen does next year I personally think he bounces back and I think he bounces back for two reasons Jake you and I kind of talked about this off air Mike would like to get your opinion about this the Kellen Moore hire Kellen Moore goes from being a quarterback in the NFL to immediately going to quarterbacks coach becomes a Dallas Cowboys offensive coordinator and I tried to watch as much Los Angeles Chargers football as I could I couldn't do it like it was it was just awful there was no reason to do this so I went back to Dallas and based my opinion on Kellen Moore off what I saw in Dallas I saw him out the gate lead this uh, team to the highest offensive yardage total in like that se- the entire season with that being the, what was that? 2021? No, it was 2018. And, and 20, and they, so let me, let 20. me pull up these notes. Cause I, I talked about this with, uh, with Brandon Pockers a couple weeks ago um, about you, you guys talk while I'm, while I'm pulling this up. Yeah. So Mike, that's my opinion. Uh, Kellen Moore, just based off of the body of work, you know, just, the reason we're talking about Dax Prescott in the positive light that we're talking about him now is because of what Kelly he did under Kelly Moore's watch. Uh, the, the 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 amount of numbers he was able to put up, um, the way this team scored, that four years of Dallas Cowboys offensive football between um, 2018 and 2022, I think was uh, amazing. 19, okay. 2019 yeah. and 2022. That was amazing. So, um, I, I'm really excited about what he's going to see. One of which being that he's actually going to bring a motion-based offense to this to this team, and that's something we've been missing. This team's 32nd in, among 32 teams in motion last year, and that's the 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 main thing to me. Like no matter what else he does, just bringing some motion to this Eagles offense and making them slightly more unpredictable, slightly harder to read on pre-snap. You know, what I mean, like it was it just felt so vanilla so often last year. So. No matter what, I'm optimistic. Just moving on from the offense that they had, the coordinator that they had in place, I, I think it's going to be better. And like you said, the his track record, and even the with the Chargers this past year, I think David in the comments here made a good point. Like they had a ton of injuries, so like yeah. you know that was a big factor in their offense. And even still, like I had you know Mike Williams was on my fantasy team. He was balling out till he got hurt. You know, all they, they had guys that put up numbers and they're not afraid to take shots downfield, which I think will be good for the Eagles offense. They're not afraid to use slant routes and like get guys going in the middle of the field, which is another huge thing to me. So, you know, I'm really optimistic. With that being said, it, it wouldn't have taken a lot for me to feel optimistic 
you know, moving on from Brian Johnson and, and the offense they had last year. But I do think that it, it kind of stagnated. And in that way, you know, it, it kind of stunted Jalen's growth where he didn't have as many options. It was easier for defenses to, to key in on him, bring pressure and made it harder for him to it just felt like so often he had to kind of make things happen on his own. And I'm hoping that a more structured offense with that motion that you mentioned will really help, uh, you know, help him bounce back and take a step forward in his development. I noticed that you just said roots. Are you a root guy, not a route guy? Uh, it's funny. I guess so. Man, I never actually thought that, but yeah, I guess I, I guess Big so. Naturally, I guess I'll have. That's like one of those things I'll have to think about when I say. It, but I guess when it comes out naturally, I'm a, I'm a root guy. Big, big, big root guy. Um, I, I have, I have the, uh, the numbers, the uh, DVOA numbers for Kellen Moore's offenses. Right, um, right. In 2019, uh, he had the uh, his uh, offense was uh, rated second in DVOA. 2020 was 24th, then fourth, then 14th, then 16th. And I brought this up before is that it's good that we know like those low numbers when he's 24th in 2020. That was when he didn't have a quarterback uh, in uh, where did it go in 2022? They were 14th. That was without without a, a Dak Prescott for a minute there when he had was that his thumb? Was that his finger? Can't remember what the hell it was. Um, mm-hmm. And then in 2023, 16th. And like you said, he had nobody. It was it was Keenan Allen, um, and, and then it was Keenan Allen. But that's all. That's all. It was, and he didn't have an offensive line. So the the good thing is that we know exactly why the, those those DVOA rankings were low when they were low. And yeah, like all it does, I mean, if anything, if anything, this raises the floor and that's it. This is the Eagles show, but what do you think about when we get both of you guys take? I definitely want to ask you about this, Jay, because how are you doing, by the way? Because again, we hadn't seen each other in a while, but um, what are you guys thinking about Justin Herbert with um, with Harbaugh now? They're the same guy. I think they're like the same type of player. Like, I think that they're going to be able to click. I mean, John Harbaugh is a, a weird dude in his own right, but. Justin and we have no idea anything about Justin Herbert. That guy is more secluded than Devontae Smith. Like this, the guy who he's in a he's in a Subway commercial, right? Or is it a mm-hmm. Liberty Mutual? I can't remember which one he's in. But that that's all we know is the guy has uh, uh, sponsorships. I, I I don't. I think he's going to do good if 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 he doesn't do good this year and he's ranked in the top five next year. I'm going to uh, have to fire up the burners again and I start some i don't know social media terrorism is that a, is that a phrase people have used we can use it social media terrorist i'm gonna be a social media terrorist now i did, i've never thought about this just now but that's what i'm starting doing uh, so, call it jisis justin herbert isis that's what we do that's what we do so mike i want to get your opinion on something else man before we move into michael clay's extension because michael clay you never would have told me in 2020 and 2020 2021 and 2022 that with Shane Steichen and Jonathan Gannon walking around, that he would have been the last man standing. Now, we could argue the fact that they would have had head coaching jobs and he wouldn't have, but I, for some reason, thought he was going to get fired. He never did. Jake and I have even come on this show, and we talked about how his guy was keeping his job, and now he's the best assistant the Eagles have, and now he has an extension. How you feel about that? Like you said, it's definitely not something I would have predicted a couple years ago, but you can't deny you know, what we saw from that special teams unit last year. Can't deny what we saw from Covey and the development there and, and the decisions he made. I hesitate to give him too much credit for Jake Elliott just being awesome, right. but he also falls under that special teams umbrella. Um, you know, in the myriad of issues that the Eagles had last season, most games I came away not thinking like a special teams issue was at like the – the top of the thing it was predominantly offensive and defensive based so you know i think it was uh it was well deserved and it's nice to have you know just a little bit of continuity going into this new season you're replacing the two other coordinators it's nice to have at least one guy in the building that's been there kind of came up through the ranks and got a you know what i think is probably a well-deserved extension here yeah and if he plays a hand in getting rid of aaron sipos and getting a, a Braden man buddy I'd, I'd kiss you right in the mouth he's like that that that's that's coordinator of the year kind of talk that if if we, if we can get rid of if we can make that kind of a change i'm all in yeah no this is well deserved especially for again how much we absolutely just dunked on the guy for two straight years mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. speaking of change in the eagles organization um Oh, one mean, last thing on 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 uh, Michael Clay too. Um, we saw like the development of of Keely Ringo and Sidney Brown, and I mean, unfortunately, we didn't get to see a lot of Zach, uh, Zach McPherson. But he's also like he's 
I don't want to say he's the one that's solely developing these younger players who are special teams guys, but some of these special teams guys have like gone on to do good things like on uh, on defense. So that's also I'd say that he has a hand in that too. I that, I just want to bring that up. Yeah, good point. Good point. Glad you did. So let me ask you this: um, Jake and I, Michael, you missed this. Uh, this went on for several weeks. Jake and I are on different ends of the spectrum on the Big Fangio argument. Jake's argument, honestly, was more well-articulated than mine was. <laughs> Jake came with facts. Jake came with numbers. Jake came with stats, as Jake always does. My argument is totally emotional. Like, <laughs> my argument is based off simple things like, this is the guy that we brought in to beat Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. That didn't happen. This guy has been running this defense that everybody else is caught up to. This guy is a great defensive mind. And, yes, he's the architect of the defense, which will probably make that defense better. But my thing is also, this is the guy that also recommended we hire Sean Decide. <laughs> and I saw the Miami Dolphins defense, injuries, whatever, and we can always talk about those, but I saw the Miami Dolphins defense as being marginally not much better than the Philadelphia Eagles defense. So I'm worried about the Vic Fangio hire. And I believe because of, I was, I was picking on Jake about recency bias and everything, but I talk about this with the Eagles fans and the organization a lot. As soon as this guy gives up two first downs in week three, we're going to be talking about we want him fired. <laughs> as soon as this guy gives up 14 points in the quarter, we're going to want him fired. I don't believe in the big fans you'll hire. Help Jake do what Jake has been doing a good job of. Talk me into it. Tell me why I'm wrong about this. Well, I'd like to hear a little bit of a Jake side of things. What You know, the pro side, you laid out the, the cons for it. I'd like yeah, to hear Jake. Uh, Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, bottom line, same thing as Kelmore raises the floor. Uh, the... the the idea that um, I'm, I'm trying to think of all, all my points here, the, the, there's a big difference between getting a guy who spent two years with the guy who made the defense with the Fangio defense. There's a difference between getting a guy who spent two years with the guy who developed that and getting the guy who made the defense. Does that make sense? Like it, 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 you could, you could get, you could get uh I don't know who was the, you could get Steve Jobs' nephew to run your business. Uh, but if you get Steve Jobs, well, he's dead. This is bad. This is a bad metaphor. Uh, you get what, you get what my point is here. We get your point. We get your point. Getting the guy is, is a big deal. But also, and again, just raising the floor is huge. Um, I'm trying to think what else, what else did, they, did Nick say they should have hired Rex Ryan? Nick, <laughs> Nick, do not, do not come here with that. The guy hasn't been in the NFL since what 2016? Ugh, gross. Um, I and, and as far well, I'm trying I'm trying to think of what my my other points were for uh uh for I mean uh, that were good points. You came with numbers, you gave stats, and the stats were accurate and everything, and as you always did, but you know, we, I'm asking you to remember something you said two weeks ago, which is probably unfair. Just right. trust me when I tell you this, Mike. Jake's argument was better than mine. Mine was all emotion. Oh, so, and the, the, the other thing, the other thing is that he's curmudgeon. And that's what I want in a defensive coordinator. If we're actually thinking, and there's reason to believe uh, that that the Eagles are definitely having Nick Sirianni be the CEO head coach, and Kellen Moore is going to be the uh, coach of the offense, Vic Fangio is going to be the uh, the coach of the defense, having that curmudgeon, having that guy to set Nick straight is going to be huge. Sean Desai did a whole bunch of nothing. Matt Patricia did even less of nothing. Like having a guy that's in there, if Nick Sirianni walks into a defensive meeting, then Vic Fangio says, how about you just get the hell out right now? That's what we're looking for. We're looking for a guy who's been a head coach. If we're, I know people are freaking out like, oh, we, we, we want to make sure that we get coordinators that aren't just going to leave in two years. Vic's not going to do that. The guys are curmudgeon. We've seen what he has. That's exactly what you want in a defensive coordinator, not a guy who's going to uh, walk in there and uh, say, hey, good morning to everybody. It, like We don't want that when it comes to a, uh, a defensive coordinator uh, press conference. We want him to come in there, be frowning the entire time. Like This is the kind of guy that we want. He's a he's a football guy. He he feels like a football guy. He's a football guy. His name's Vic. Yeah, yeah. Like he just feels like a football guy. And I come into that with kind of the same approach I did with the offensive coordinator thing. Where at the end of the season, I just felt the change was so necessary that I'm I'm like naturally optimistic about the team in general. But I'm just optimistic that these changes were so necessary and that you make them and it, it it's going to be a good move. And I think that Fangio obviously has a track record of. You know, barring obviously Miami was tough to watch on that end of the of the football last season. Yeah, track record of success, track record of good linebacker play, which is something that's been like sorely needed here. Obviously, I, I'm excited to see what they do, especially with so many 
you know, linebackers leaving in free agency and like what the shuffle there. I'm excited to see that. Excited to see the secondary, obviously the scheme with the the two highs and, and see how that plays out. And I think it'll help limit, you know, obviously the big play potential like it's supposed to. So, I mean, on paper, it all looks good. Plus the guys from Dunmore, Pennsylvania. I'm from Scranton, Pennsylvania, right up the street. We used to play them in, in like basketball in high school. So uh, I'll give them the, the benefit of the doubt for the time being, just for being the, having the hometown advantage in my eyes. Yeah, and, and the, the whole thing, you can win a Super Bowl with uh, with uh, a average defense, and that's what Vic Fangio is going to get you. He's not going to get you a top five defense. It's not it's not him uh, coaching the Bears anymore. It's not that. He can get you somewhere between 12 and 17 ranked defense, and that can win you a Super Bowl, and that's what matters. He'll also get a lot of sacks and turnovers, which is what we like. So, exactly. And and that, that's the thing is uh, Brandon brought this up too. is do, do the Eagles have a, a defensive roster that uh, is conducive to a, a Vic Fangio defense? Probably not necessarily. Uh, things can change. We don't know what's going to happen in free agency and with the draft and everything like that. But again, getting the guy get uh, I have no faith that uh, we saw it that uh, uh, Jonathan Gannon could uh, who runs a Fangio defense or Sean Desai, who runs a Fangio defense, could use guys who aren't built for a Fangio defense. I think the guy that has invented the type of defense can move things around, can finagle things, can actually use people who aren't built for that type of a defense to make that kind of a defense work. I have I have, I have faith in him. Jake, you brought up a good point while you were talking. You were talking about. Um this worry that, you know, we're going to lose coordinators because they're good. Like, I don't want to, I want to go a little bit deeper in that before we move on. We're still in the first half of the show, so we got plenty of time. Yeah. My thing is, I don't care anything about that. I, I struggle more with let's get average coaches because we feel like we're going to get along. We're going to have them around longer. Get the best coach that you can find. If that guy leaves and that guy becomes a head coach, I don't give a damn. Yeah. (laughs) That's what we want. We want great coaches. Yeah. Like it's a nomadic profession. These guys move around all the time. The, the the longest tenured offensive coordinator in the league has been with this team since what? What is it? 2022? It's like, yeah, that's that's how yeah. this works now. Like, it's not a job you want to have for a long time. That's the whole right. point. It's literally a stepping stone job. Uh, yeah, yeah. Congratulations, Todd Munkin, your offensive coordinator again. <laughs> or not Todd Munkin. I also, I also uh, think there's a possibility there. Because there's Fangio has already stated he doesn't want to be a head coach anymore. So that would ease the minds of a lot of people. Kellen Moore, I'm not even sure that he would be hired in the next cycle. And the reason I say that is because you got the guy that we thought was going to be a head coach back in Detroit now. You got the best coach that's ever done it. He's still unemployed right now. (laughs) So there are a lot of guys who actually went back to teams as offensive coordinators that we thought were going to be head coaches, and they're probably going to be in next in line for head coaching jobs next year, right? Or am I wrong? I, I I get what you mean. Um, I think that those are kind of uh, different circumstances. Uh, okay. uh, ben Johnson had two teams to pick from, uh, and mm-hmm. it was Seattle and Washington, uh, which, yuck. Uh, and he <laughs> went out loud and said, hey, no, I would like to win. I'm not going to play with either of those two. Te- I'm not going to coach either of those teams. And then Bill Belichick's thing is, like, there's so many, like, different circumstances that go with, like, you're not just getting the coach. But you also have to get a GM that wants to relinquish power, and they don't want to do that. That's why they have that job. But as far as Kellen Moore goes, I mean, go away from like from last year. Like he had nothing to work with last year, so that's why his name is gone now. If he has, if he does a good year, if he has a good year with the Eagles, I think he's going to be right back up there, right back to where he was when he left Dallas. Like I think he's going to be right back up there with with uh, these these head coaching hires. That's where I'm at. I don't know. I could be convinced otherwise, but I'm I, I'm I, I was high on Kellen Moore uh, before, um, and I it went down. I think it went down with everybody after last year. But I've I've uh, I got a dumb brain, and I convinced my dumb brain that uh, it's going to work. You agree, Mike? Yeah, yeah, I do. I think it's going to work. I mean, like you said, I think he's he's on that side where he's still young and motivated to do that to take that next step. I think he'll be creative, not you know, necessarily stuck in his ways like older coordinators tend to be sometimes. I think he'll be, you know, willing to adapt, especially with the the type of, you know, unique talent that Jalen is at the quarterback position. Um, I mean, at least I hope maybe I'm, I'm speaking out of hope more than what I think, but, you know, you have to assume that he'll be, you know, willing to adapt. And I think it, you know, it, it, I do think it'll work out for sure. It can't be worse than what we saw for the last month and a half. Well, that's, you know, that's my approach with everything. Like I said, I mean, it just can't be worse than what we were subjected to. It, 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 it I think it's humanly impossible. So anything. anything. I hope not. I hope not. Because every time I say it can't be worse, it does. <laughs> and we go from Sean to Sean and Patricia, it gets worse. It so can't be not. worse than a historic collapse. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. All right. So 
Kellen Moore takes over the offense. Big Fangio takes over the defense, and they may be doing so without some guys that we've known as Eagles for a long time. Hassan Reddick has been offered the opportunity to go seek trade partners and possibly find a deal. Or this could have been done by the Philadelphia Eagles to show him that, you know, we're not trying to screw you around. We're not trying to do something that's wrong to you. Uh, he probably wants something. We keep hearing the number 25 million, something in the 25 million range. Um, and if he was to undertake that, he'd be doing so because he's still playing under that first deal he signed with the Eagles, three years, 45 million. This is the last year of that deal. So he'll walk into a new deal, 31 years old, and he wants to do that, making 25 million per. The Eagles seemingly don't want to pay him, which is why I believe this. They would have given it to him if they felt like that's what they wanted to do. It seems like they've allowed him the opportunity to go find trade partners because, one, you can either test the market and see if uh, what we were offering you was fair, which we believe it is, see if you can go get more. And um, a lot of times this is appreciated by the players, and a lot of times we see guys return because they also did the same thing, as you remember, with Fletcher Cox and then last year with Darius Slater. And allowing them to do that doesn't necessarily mean these guys are going to leave, but I like the move to allow Hassan Reddick to go find trade partners and kind of show him that, you know, look, we love you. We're not trying to screw you around, but we just don't want to pay you what you're going to say. And if you don't believe us, go check it out. That's my feeling. What do you guys think? Yeah, they're, they're allowing him to test the market. Um, I think it's a good idea. I, I think that I would have liked for this to have been Josh Sweat's name attached to the story rather than Hassan Reddick. That's where that's where I'm at with it. I mean, yeah, I, I agree. I don't I don't think this is a either people or I don't think this is a either t- uh, party is unhappy with each other. Um, but yeah, I think they're I think they're just like, yeah, man, go see what you're worth, and if you're if if the offers that you're getting something that we can match, then we'll do that. If not, then we'll you find a team and we'll find something that works with them. So I mean, just clarify what you just said too. Like, you rather see Josh West's name as that because of the youth. Is that the reason why you want to see? Correct. This conversation? Yeah. Okay. I, I believe so. And it's weird. I, I think Hassan Reddick is a better player than uh, Josh Sweat. Um, I think that's kind of like that. He definitely is. But I think that you're, you'd be able to get more when it does come to having to uh, uh, like find a trade partner. I think you'd be able to get more for Josh Sweat than you will Hassan Reddick because of Josh Sweat's youth. Mm-hmm which is kind of a, a weird thing that one player is better, but worth less. But I think when you're looking, thinking of a, a, a different franchises, I think they'd see that youth yeah. and be like, Oh yeah, yeah, that's probably the way that we want to go. If we're signing a guy from, I mean, it's, it's going to be Hassan Reddick's last big deal that he signs. Totally agree. Totally agree. Which thing, Mike? Yeah. Which is the great point by Jake. And which is why I think obviously, you know, he'd be looking to maximize that deal. It's yep. probably the last big one he's going to get. And like both you guys said, I don't think it necessarily means it's going to be a parting of ways. We've seen this in the past where you know, it's kind of given the guys the freedom to do that. Part of it probably has something to do with Fangio also, you know, coming in with a new defense, new defensive scheme. A lot of turnover in that linebacker department for this team. You know, where does he where does uh, Hassan see himself fitting in, you know, next season? If it's a situation where he's not going to be back next, the following year, obviously, like you said, he's going into that. The final year, the three-year deal. It was what was that? Forty-five million when he signed that. Three yeah, years, forty-five. Three years, forty-five million. Yeah. So I mean, coming 45. in the last, the last year of that, if he's not going to be back, you know, after the twenty twenty-four season, you know, and you can get something for him, you can, maybe you go younger a little bit, get a draft, you know, something for the future, and you, you know, instead of losing him for nothing next off season, yeah, I don't hate it. Or maybe he'll come back for a little bit less if there's. You know, he sees what's out there. Grass isn't always greener. There will probably definitely be teams willing to offer him more money. Will those teams be, you know, in position to potentially contend like we all think that the Eagles should be again next season? So, I mean, there's a lot to consider. But I, like you guys both said, I don't necessarily think this is necess- means it's definitely the end of his time uh, in Philly. Now, I was going to use this as an opportunity to talk about Jason Kelsey and Fletcher Cox, too. I really want to talk about Hassan Riddick, so we're going to do this real quick. Jason Kelsey and Fletcher Cox, if they want to be back, they're going to be back, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, with open yeah. arms, I would, I would think. <laughs> okay, so we know Kelsey. We Fletch kind of concerns me because I was wondering if they might move off from Fletch, but I feel like he'll be back if they if he wants to be back and the Eagles will have him. I don't I, know if I, I like him at 14 million. Yeah, yeah, true, true. So back to the Hassan Reddick thing because he's so fascinating because there are so many moving parts. Hassan Reddick, we found out, is – 
One of the reasons that Sean decided it wasn't playing calling plays towards the end of the season. Hassan Reddick is one of those guys who decided, Sean Desai had this uh, friction between players in the locker room, Hassan Reddick being one of those guys, and Hassan said, I'm not talking to this guy anymore. So <laughs> when did that happen? Uh that was part that was part of what the issue was. So apparently the way the story goes is Sean Desai had an abrasive personality. He got on people's nerves, and a lot of the the stars on defense took issue with his coaching style and then started giving him the silent treatment. We're not exactly sure who all these people are, but we we do know that one of those people was Hassan Reddick who decided I'm just not talking to this guy anymore. And that's when Nick Sirianni stepped in and decided, yo, I got to make a change because, you know, I can't have my stars on defense, especially with so many young guys. Can't have them watching the stars and seeing them act this way. It's not going to work. And maybe they'll get along better with Patricia. So we know Hassan Reddick can have moments where great guy. I talked to him twice this year. Great guy, but has a tendency to um, – he can he can be emotional and can be irritated. And um, as Nick Common says here, Bayard had an issue with him, too. So, yeah, that was another name we were hearing. But um, my concern is I said all that to say this. My concern is what if two things happen? Number one being. What if what if while seeking a trade partner, Hassan Riddick finds somebody who will pay him what he wants, but the Eagles can't get the type of draft capital or a player back that they feel is acceptable, so they decide not to take that trade. And now you have Hassan Reddick, who was already playing professionally and playing to the best of his ability, but a little disgruntled last year. Now he returns for year three. He needs even more upset, and we've already seen what happens when he gets upset. That's that's scenario number one for me. Scenario number two is he does walk into this new deal if he's able to get this new deal, even if the Eagles give him this new deal. Let's just say it's not $25 million. Let's say they give him 20 He walks into that deal at 30 and 30, actually 31, he walks in 30 this year, 31 when he starts his new deal, he'll be 31. Are we worried about regression, especially after what we saw from James Bradbury? Could that have anything to do with why this is taking so long? And could that have anything to do with why this team might be hesitant about extending somebody who's getting getting a little bit longer in the tooth? So to to just because you said the, 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 the Bradbury, that type of regression thing, uh, mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to be the case when it, when a, when a defensive back falls off, they plummet, they fall off a cliff. Mm-hmm. Like they're absolutely toast. Um, regression for Hassan Reddick would be double digit sacks, which I'm totally fine with. Uh, I don't know if that, does that, does that answer your, your, uh, yeah, yeah. query, I guess would probably be the yeah. right word for it. I I'm I'm concerned. This the, the story is so fascinating to me for so many reasons. You got age here. You got a dis. You got slightly disgruntled player here. You got what do the Eagles get out of this? You got a guy who's a great talent, but also like a speed rusher, slightly undersized guy. But we don't notice this because he's so great at speed rushing. But typically, when you talk to coaches in the NFL, they'll all tell you to a man when guys start to regress, especially as pass rushers. Speed goes before power. And we don't really think of Hassan Reddick necessarily as a power guy, do we? No, he's, he's, so if he's there's, speed. So if there's any if there's a situation where Hassan Reddick is possibly sees some regression, we're gonna see it like in the wheels. We're not gonna necessarily see it as far as like the push, we're gonna see it in the wheels and things of that nature. And he is getting a little up there in age, though extremely great and extremely productive. Because let me just go ahead and say I still want Hassan Reddick on his team. Because I don't think this Eagles team is good enough or deep enough to say goodbye to their best players, which is going to get me into my next point. I don't know why the fireworks are going off right now. (laughs) (laughs) But I have I have tremendous concerns with this team without Hassan Reddick. If we walk it into 2024 season without Hassan Reddick, this is not a better defense without him. This is not a better offense without Jason Kelsey. It's probably not a better defense without without uh, Fletcher Cox. So I'm a little worried, and there's so many moving parts. I think that's why the story is so fascinating. Yeah, I'm 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 comfortable betting on uh, Hassan Reddick. I'm comfortable with that. If 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 your thoughts are he could regress, everybody could. Yeah, and I think he still has at least like you know one year on the deal. If you sign him to a two three year deal, I think he is still very productive through the end of that deal. Uh, totally, bar, you know, that. barring an injury, which you could say for any obviously anybody any any players in Achilles tear away from their career going up, but. Barring that, for what we've seen the past two seasons, uh, you know, probably the best player on the defense over each of the past two years. No signs of that. Like if we had if there was any inkling 
that that type of regression was maybe coming. Second thoughts. I, at least I haven't seen it yet. Still in his you know late twenties, I think he he could get through the life of like another short term deal very productively. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's I all I want to hear. Do we think he's back? Ooh, that's that's another question. Yeah, that's a much more difficult one. Um, do I think he's back? <laughs> Probably like fifty one percent yes, forty nine no. Uh that's tough. That's a hell of a question. Yeah, it, it does. It on, honestly seems like a coin toss to me at this point. I mean, part of me wants to think that how he, you know, real, obviously, of course, he, he realizes how important he's been to this defense. If you're already losing some other guys, you know, some, some veterans on, on both sides of the ball, you know, you don't want to have lose too many of your, like you were saying, you don't want to let too many of your main guys go. Um, obviously, you know, it's not a position they love to pay for uh, historically. So I think that's, that's something um, but yeah, I mean, I, I would, it seems like a coin toss. I guess my optimistic side would put it a little bit more. I think he'll be back, but I, I wouldn't be shocked either way. Yeah. And this kind of goes, this kind of goes to your first point there, Jeff, I believe this was your, your first, your first question there is finding a, uh, uh, a team that can, uh, like that is willing to trade Hassan, right? Was that kind of your first point? My, well, my thing is, it's like, Whatever he get, I'm 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 sure Hassan Reddy can go out and he can get a deal that's worth more than what the Eagles are willing to pay him. I have no concerns about that. Whatever. My thing is, if we don't trade this guy for that deal because we don't get receive proper compensation for that deal, which is also possible because we're not gonna get a first rounder. Um, I heard maybe a three and a six. I heard maybe a that's second. Crazy. Second, second minimum, and it would have to be uh like closer to thirty. Yeah. Uh, for, for that pick, like it, I, I wrote a thing up about the uh, uh, recent um, uh, edge rusher trades, and everybody mm-hmm. uh, has, like in the last the last three years has been a minimum uh, second round pick. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's going to be minimum second round pick, and it, we're talking we're talking Howie effing Roseman. Like it'll get done. It, how he's always got a black book on everybody he'll it'll mm-hmm. it'll get done he'll be able to, to he'll be able to uh if the trade does that he'll be able to take advantage of of some of these newer gms i have no no faith in that there, there's there's gonna be some some new gm out there that's like i'm gonna beat howie roseman with this trade and they're not gonna because it's how we it's howie roseman he'll get another guy fired i can't wait for it mm-hmm this isn't um this doesn't help us this year, but Kevin Byard's making 14 million. Um he's out. But yeah, and by getting rid of him, he only counts as seven hundred and eleven thousand against the salary cap. So you save a little yeah, over gone. 14 million just by getting out of getting him out of here. Yeah, he, doesn't he, help he, you this year and everything. Yeah. Yeah. But what if what is there 29 free agents? Yeah. Yeah, I would put him probably if he's probably I I would rank him as probably a top three people that are not going to stay. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. So it's a lot to talk about. Like I said, it's interesting to me because, you know, I always root for the story. It's interesting to me because you got so many moving parts. Uh, One of which being you don't necessarily have to pay Devontae next year. You can use the fifth year option on him, but you do have to pay Landon. No, you got to pay Devontae now. You got to pay Devontae now. It's not an option. It's time to pay. It's time to pay Dallas Goddard again. It's time to pay Josh Sweat again. Like, are we moving on from Maddox? Like, is Maddox so expensive now that we got to get rid of him? Like, so it's a lot to talk about. You got to restructure Maddox. Get uh, pay Devontae, uh, Dallas. Wait and see. Okay. Yes. Yes. All right. Yeah. So I'm in a position now. It's like for for the time being, it's the same thing we talked about. Coaches. I want the best players on this team to get this team the best possible chance of winning. And I don't see how this defense is better without Hassan Reddick. Kelsey goes, that's obviously Kelsey's choice, but if Kelsey goes, you basically got to rebuild the interior of the offensive line again. Like Tyler Steen's waiting in the wings, but you got to slide Cam Jurgens over from right guard to center now, don't you? And the Atlantic guard's got to do center beside him, and now you got to find the right guard all over again. So it changes things a lot quickly if certain guys say, I'm not playing for this team anymore. Or if the Eagles move on from guys. Yeah, it's not great. Um, now, at the in, in week 18, um, when they put in the backups, uh, I believe Landon Dickerson was actually the center because he played center uh, at Alabama. Um, when you're talking about uh, reforming a uh, offense, an interior of an offensive line, um, how do you guys uh, I'm trying to think percentage wise? 
do you think it's going to be uh, uh, Jurgens flips to uh, center uh, to keep going with the non-traditional undersized center? Or you guys think it's going to be a uh, Landon Dickerson scooting over to the right? Um, you want to go first, Mike? I mean, that's that's a good question. I had I kind of just assumed that it was going to be Dickerson, just yeah. like based off you said him and you know I knew he had the center experience. He was in there week eighteen. It, if they wanted to continue, you know, in the mold, like you said, with Kelsey and the kind of the undersized thing, you know, maybe you go Cam. I hadn't really thought about it. That's a really interesting question, though. Uh, you know, it, it, I, I don't know which way they'll go with that. Yeah, it's, I it's think one of those me, I've always liked a uh, draft that's so loaded with uh, offensive linemen. Yeah, that too. I think I kind of like the uh, I think I kind of like the um, like what you said, too, Jake. I, I think for me, it's, it works out like this. Like, I like the idea of Landon Dickinson eventually taking over. And then I think part of what changed that was he became a two-time Pro Bowl over his first two right. years at the left guard position. And yep. do you mess that up? Yeah, I don't think you do. I don't think yep. you do. Is, and is, I, is Jordan Mailata's best man in their wedding. Do you separate those two guys? I don't know. Right, right. So I'm thinking it's I'm thinking it's Cam Jurgens move over when you keep your your two-time Pro Bowler at the same position he's been playing and everything because Jeff Stoutman doesn't like to disrupt harmony too much and. As best he can, he tries not to move people out of natural positions and move two guys at the same time. So right but in twenty twenty, we saw what happens when you get a a, a new offensive line for uh, every single game of the season, and it's absolute hell for every single person, right. including right. including us, including us, not just them, but us specifically, and probably most importantly, us, because I we had to watch it, and I wanted to cut my face off, not just my eyes. Keep the eyes. I want to suffer. Just cut my face off. Right. Whole face. <laughs> Hopefully. Well, Mike, you've been doing a good job of uh, helping us keep up with what's been going on with Jason Kelsey, which I tried to create a Jason Kelsey timeline. It's become impossible. Like, <laughs> it changes too much for us yeah, to put this timeline every day. Every day he's doing something, generating headlines. Yeah. So now we got Jordan Melata saying he doesn't think he's going to be back. We got younger brother saying he thinks he will. Um, Luchador mass, it's all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, love for Jason Kelsey parties on 94 with FM. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I've always felt like he was going to be back. This is the first season I felt like I don't really know what he's going to do. Like, are you guys there too or are you somewhere else? Oh, uh, I've never thought he's going to be back. <laughs> like, for never. two years, I've been, every time Jason Kelsey signs a new deal, I'm like, holy Christ. Like, I can't believe he came back. This in this mm -hmm. year, I mean, this year, somehow I'm more convinced that he's going to be back than I have in the last couple, even after the documentary. Like, mm -hmm. like it, when, as soon as the season ends, I'm like, okay, I'm 95% sure Jason Kelsey's gone. And then like every single week since, since the, uh, the, the playoff game, like now I'm probably like 45% sure that he's uh, going to be back. Like I, or yeah, like I, I've gone for 95% sure he's leaving to 45% sure he's, he's back. Like, I, I don't know. I, man, I, 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 at this point, I'm not surprised by anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I lean toward I think he's playing back just because he strikes me as the type of guy like he he realizes that, you know, you have a, such a finite window to not only play, but he's a guy that's really relished the relationships, like the right. teammates, the camaraderie. Like he's he's like the poster boy kind of for like that that type of player. And I think he knows one way or another that window is closing. And it's not like, you know, if he was not good anymore or something, yeah. but when you're still as good as he is, the best of, in know, the world. Yeah, arguably the best center in the league. You're still that good, and I, you still think you have something to give to the game. I just feel like he he knows he wants to kind of squeeze all the juice out of that orange while, while it's there. Um, could be wrong, totally. I mean, obviously, I don't know him, but it's just he just strikes me as that that kind of approach to and things he said in the past and everything. It just seems like, hey, he knows this is a, a short amount of time. If he still has anything left to give to the game you know, why hold back? You want to go out feeling like you gave it your all. You don't want to be in that situation that, you know, so many guys end up finding themselves in where they retire. And then they're like, hey, maybe I could still play. Do I want it? He doesn't strike me as the type of guy that wants to do that. So you go all out once, you know, maybe one more year and and then that's it. And, and I feel like that's, yeah, that's how I felt for like the past, past two years, man. It's, it's, it's crazy to me. Yeah. Nick Comage and, um, David Pops, Mega, we appreciate you guys hanging out with us all night. They've been with us all night. Nick says he thinks he might go play with the Chiefs. Um, Nick, I don't see him playing. Another, I don't see him playing another jersey. Nick, uh, Dave's yeah, Pop, Mega, after watching. Nick, oh Nick, <laughs> you are hitting. You, why? Who? Why? Why? Why are you? 
I'm a I'm a human. I don't being. think Jason plays in another jersey. Like I don't think Jason plays in another jersey. Jay Mega says after watching Jason's body, uh, it's taking a toll. I think his wife pushes him to retire. Oh, uh, and the great Meryl Reese says he he kind of wants him to retire and stuff like that. So you know yeah. we'll see what yeah. happens. But I personally believe the longer it takes him to make the decision, the better chance of him coming back. I agree with that. That's probably true. That. Yeah. I, I can see that. Super emotional after the game. It tells everybody that he's leaving and then, you know, decides, well, maybe I shouldn't have said that as fast as I did it. So I think the longer it takes for him to make the decision, it's better. It's kind of like one of those things when we don't hear anything, that's a good thing. I, I, the, the whole he told everybody, I don't know about that. I don't, the, the report from Adam Schefter was that Jason Kelsey tells, he tells his teammates that he's going to retire. I, that mm-hmm. could have just been Jason being on the sideline, looking up at the scoreboard and being like, I can't believe that's it. There, there was no, there was no sourcing from from Adam Schefter, and then it comes along with Adam Schefter breaking people's retirements uh, before they want to when they're people that have huge, like if 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 Jason Kelsey wants to break his retirement himself, he has outlets to do that. It's not if Tom Brady wanted to break his retirement, he can do that. He doesn't need Adam Schefter to do anonymous reports. It's going to come straight from Jason Kelsey, and that's that's one of the things that's made me kind of flip. And that, that is what it felt like to me. That's that's a great point, Jake. It, it felt like an example of just like a report trying to get out ahead of a story that you think could probably happen. At, you know, season ends. There's already been the floating speculation in today's world. You want to get that report out, but it was never substantiated. Right. And it just seems like you said, like, at that point, he wasn't ready to make a decision. When he was, millions of people listen to New Heights. It's not that hard for him to pop on and be like, hey, this is what I'm going to do and why, which is yeah. what I assume is going to happen ultimately did, did you did you think it was gonna come from jason kelsey telling his teammate be like hey he said she said you go do it for me but no not a chance yeah. in hell not a chance mm-hmm. in hell all right so the uh we all love jason kelsey we know that we hope he's back uh thinking i can speak to you guys when i say that just hearing you guys talk about him for so long i hope jason kelsey's back they've had a whole thing on 94 whip fm to try to convince him to return and that kind of evolved into another conversation is he now the most beloved Eagle of all time, taking the place of the great Brian Dawkins, who we always thought was our most beloved and most cherished Eagle ever? Like, to me, I'm not saying this disrespectfully. It's like picking between my children. Like, <laughs> I love you both. I love you equally. I love you for different reasons. Brian Dawkins, to me, was the emotional leader, the passion he played with, the fire he played with, um, his faith, his emotions, his honesty. Um, never, We never heard him curse. You say dog on it before he says damn, <laughs> but uh, he was one of the first champions of mental health that we talked to, you know. So Brian Dawkins love for so many reasons, the way he played the game, so on and so forth. But newer and younger Eagles have seen Jason Kelsey. We've seen his speech. Jason Kelsey is somebody I wish I could go have a beer with. Jason Kelsey is probably that guy who, though rich now, will never have to pay for a meal in the city of Philadelphia again. He's gonna walk in and get a beer for free everywhere he goes, and both of them are on my Mount Rushmore. Like every time I do a Mount Rushmore, Doc is on it, Jason Kelsey's on it, and then I start alternating the other two faces. Nick Foles. <laughs> Nick. Do you, would you? That, that's interesting. Would you put Nick over there before Doug Peterson? But, but uh, of all-time Eagle, would I put Nick Foles over Doug? On our Mount Rushmore, would you put Nick on the Mount Rushmore before yeah. Doug Peterson? Before Doug, yeah, yeah, yeah I'd put Nick Foles. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. Yeah. Um, so, me, I, I still to me. It's one and one A, but I still got Dawkins ahead of him. And I saw both of them play their entire careers. But Dawkins is my guy. And Jason Kelsey, I love very dearly. I have nothing bad to say about Jason. I hope he comes back. But I think it's one and one A, Dawkins and Jason for me. It, it's it's di- it's it's different for me. So I'm I'm what am I? How old am I? 32? Yeah, I'm 32. Mm-hmm. So it's like Dawkins was king of kid hero. Like that that like that was like hero when I was like a kid. But then, like, mm-hmm. now I'm an adult, and I'm watching a documentary of Jason Kelsey and seeing everything that he's put himself through and all that kind of – it's like this – yeah, no, this guy's a hero, like, as an adult, Jake. I'm like, this guy's an all-time eagle as an adult, Jake. It's just like, yeah, I thought Power Rangers was the best show in the world when I was a kid because it was. And then now I see Breaking Bad. I'm like, that's pretty damn good. <laughs> so it, it's it, it's like two different phases of my life. It's like, yeah, Brian Dawkins as a kid, like, growing up, being an Eagles fan as a, as a kid, I'm like, yeah, this is – the dude and he's still absolutely the dude but in a different era of my life and for the eagles it's absolutely jason kelsey 
Yeah, and I, I mean, I agree. And both these guys, Nick and David, both touched on in the comments. I mean, the one thing obviously that, that Jason has is that Super Bowl ring, man. I oh. mean, like that's that's so much for an Eagles fans. It, it just holds so much value. And then not only the ring, but then the speech going with it, an, an all-time epic Philadelphia sports moment. And then he also has, you know, uh, like you said, that never have to pay for a beer in Philly. That's said about a lot of athletes, but Kelsey's the guy who would actually take you up on that. You right. could see him at a bar in Philly drinking with just like the fans, like he was doing with mm-hmm. the tailgate in Buffalo, like that, you know, that like every man vibe, I guess, that he puts off makes him not that Dawkins wasn't relatable and everything you said about him and the way he carried himself throughout his career was, was great. But Kelsey's just so different in the way that like people can relate to him and you can see him, as just like a regular guy that also just happens to be awesome at playing football. So it, it, it's tough to pick. I'm also kind of like Jake in terms of the age thing where, you know, Dawkins was as I was growing up and now Kelsey's been like the, the kind of like the different side, but I do think the Super Bowl victory combined with that speech probably gives him a little bit of an edge, or at least I can understand the argument for why that might be the case. Yeah, that's good. Fair good enough. Fair enough. Good points. Good points. Good points. Both of them on the Mount Rushmore for me. Both of them. I, on saw, the somebody did, I saw somebody did a tweet said that uh, uh, Jason Kelsey should do a uh, uh, man versus beer or a man versus uh, man versus food uh, type show where he just goes around the United States and tailgates. Dude, it'd be it would be awesome. It'd be great. Yeah, yeah people, yeah. tons of people would watch it. I appreciate you guys. What else you got? Um. I'm I'm in a I'm in a weird spot. So 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 I'm in I'm in Missouri. So the Super Bowl, I know the 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 general theme was that everybody wants the 49ers to lose. All Eagles fans want the 49ers to lose. And I I agree I agree with that 100%. Mm-hmm. Um but it was it was more of a 50-50 thing for me because I'm surrounded by Chiefs fans all the time and they're obnoxious human beings. So what I had going for me, I was going to be totally fine with whoever lost. But after the Super Bowl, and I want to get your guys' opinion on this, the 49ers are absolutely having a mental breakdown. Their fans are having a mental breakdown. Uh, 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 my, uh, Kyle Shanahan is gaslighting his uh, uh, his uh, uh, coordinators, throwing them under the bus. He fired Steve Wilkes. Everybody's having a mental breakdown. You got John Feliciano uh, getting drunk and then uh, putting his, uh, uh, his backup on blast on Twitter. Do you think Chiefs like the players would have had the same kind of mental breakdown as the 49ers fans or uh, players are 49ers as David Popsmaker says I fraudy, I'm sick of these fraudy whiners fraudy whiners. I am I am sick of these dudes I am like I have never seen an organization I had so much respect for feel so many guys I have zero respect for I it's take the L move on like but- we didn't complain when we didn't complain when Donovan McNabb got hurt in the NFC Championship game. We took the L and we moved on. Well, like it's, it's I, I enjoy outrageous. watching them lose; they deserve it. To to me, because because we also like we've seen the potential that Chiefs players have for absolutely exploding. We had the uh, after after the Buffalo game and in, uh, in Kansas with Kansas City and and Mahomes is like, oh, that play was too cool to get to get done. In the hell in the Super Bowl, we had uh, Travis Kelsey running into uh, uh, Andy Reid. We know that these guys can absolutely explode in probably would have like i just i'm I'm trying to convince myself that the 49ers are uh taking this worse than uh chiefs players would have they are but they are are. as an organization they are i don't think the chiefs would fire their defensive coordinator had they lost that super i mean obviously the fact that they won two more in the past five years alters the conversation a little bit but i think the niners just knew i mean this was their chance this was a chiefs team that wasn't supposed to even be there the eagles collapsed no one else. I mean, who they beat the Lions and the Packers to get to the to get the, to the Super the Bowl. The Lions and the Packers uh, lost to the 49ers. They they did not beat either right. Of those teams. So I mean that you couldn't have a better opportunity, you know, laid out for you for a team that talks so much trash after getting beat by the Eagles last year in that championship game. All the stars aligned. The Eagles collapsed. Everything happened, and you yeah. still can't win. So I mean, I, it makes sense, I guess. From a from that standpoint, like why they're freaking out, but no, yeah, it, I mean it's it's been fun to watch at least from the outside. It's I've loved every minute of it. I've loved it's every beautiful. minute of it, and I've I, enjoyed it all season. I I went I went into that Super Bowl as just like everybody have the worst time ever. I was hoping that it was going to be a Rams Patriots Super Bowl where it's thirteen to three, and that score was alive for a very long time in that game. Didn't happen, but I'm I'm glad that it objectively as a football game, not as a championship game, but as a football game, it was a terrible one. It was terrible. Unfortunately, it's, it's going to go down as like a landmark game because there's a Super Bowl that went to overtime, but ugh, what are you going to do? Good stuff, guys. That's what we in it. So 
those of y'all who watch, hug out with us all night. Nick Common, shout out again. Dave Postmaker, shout out again. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us all night. Appreciate everybody that watch. Appreciate all those guys that don't watch live and know you can watch us later because you can watch the replay. So however you're watching, whenever you're watching, we appreciate you. Hang out with us Monday. We'll be back to do this again. Just one last thing, Jeff. Can you uh, not 